Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. I just want to set up the the Acts lesson here. We've been reading uh, out of Acts, uh, as we always do in, in the Easter time, instead of reading out of the Old Testament, and there has been uh, one instance already of uh, uh, of some mission to the Gentiles outside of Jerusalem, the, of uh, the Jesus message going to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people, which was pretty controversial uh, at the time. And Peter, who was in uh, um, kind of centered in uh, Jerusalem, although he's off somewhere else right now, uh, not so keen on that. There were quite a few that thought, no, this message should not go to the Gentiles. And this is Peter recounting a vision uh, that he has about that very subject. So, Barb, I invite you to come up and read. And... Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, And it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction distinction between them and us. These brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The Gospel lesson is from Gospel of John, and this is taking place on the evening of the Last Supper with his disciples. Although in the Gospel of John, there's not really so much a story of the 
the meal itself, although he does uh, share bread here. It's mostly that story of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. At this point, uh, he has already done that. uh, And when this lesson begins, the he that's in the first word, in the first line here, when he had gone out, uh, this is after Jesus has said, one of you will betray me. Uh, and, and realizes that it's Judas, and he tells Judas to go, go and do now what you need to do. So that's Judas that is leaving before Jesus says these words. And so, listen now and hear these words from John's Gospel. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him... God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Here ends the reading. And thanks be to God. I think if if one were to say that there was a Christian manifesto or a, a Christian point in the Gospels or in the New Testament, in the Bible, anywhere. I think it would be from this passage in John. I think what we just read would be the Christian manifesto or the Christian mission statement would be the only doctrine or creed that we really need. Love one another. Pretty simple that way. Not a bunch of abstract beliefs about Jesus or the Trinity or salvation or the function of the Holy Spirit or the church that we get in some creeds uh, and some doctrine, but here it's this call to action. You may ask the question, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? Well, I think Jesus would say, at least in this passage, a Christian is someone who is so convinced who is so absolutely sure, or even someone who is at least willing to entertain the idea that Jesus loves them. And that, that they then, they're so convinced or willing to entertain the idea that Jesus loves them that they then love everyone else around them for no expectation of gain or reward. That last line is me, so that would be kind of the human uh, addendum to that to that creed. But that we, uh, the Christian is someone who's so convinced, or at least willing to maybe believe that they are so loved by Jesus that they love everyone else. We love others because Jesus loves us. That's what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus loves us, so therefore we love others. And love is our only response to others, or our only really faithful response to others. 
Clearly, we have many choices of how we might respond to others, and we often choose them, but those uh, are not particularly faithful, at least if they're not loving. We love one another. As followers of Jesus, that's what we do, and that's how we're called to live. That's what makes us Christians. We follow Jesus in his way of love. And that's the primary lens through which we interpret the world and through which we encounter other people and have relationships with other people. Is through that lens of love. Caring, compassionate, merciful love. Love is our lens. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. That's a pretty radical statement and a pretty radical way to live. And it's, uh, I have to, at least in my experience, uh, is often quite unnatural. There are many people who are not particularly lovable sometimes. And some who are not particularly lovable most of the time. But other people love them. And we just learn to, uh, to deal with it, but it, it can seem unnatural to love everyone. That's not uh, part of who we are necessarily, that we want to love everyone. It's very easy to love our friends and to love our family, maybe even, even to love our tribe, but to go beyond is often pretty dangerous, or has been in human history, dangerous, or certainly very weird. People might say, wow, you love people that you're really not supposed to love. That's pretty weird. Well, Jesus gave us a pretty weird message. Love one another. And that's the lesson that Peter learns in, in this vision that he had. These early followers of Jesus, the early followers of the way, were all Jewish people. Christianity comes out of Judaism. Jesus uh, was Jewish. And these first followers of Jesus were really, really good at showing love to one another and to showing love to their neighbors. But their neighbors were their fellow Jewish people. The idea didn't quite come to go outside of, of the Jewish realm. They were really good at loving those people around them. But they had this thought that Jesus' message, Jesus' way, that capital W way, the way, it just wasn't for Gentiles. And not that they were uh, condemned or anything particularly awful about them. It just, they just had this idea that it was the Jewish people that were waiting for the Messiah, and the Messiah came, and so, of course, he's the Messiah for the Jewish people. Uh, And to good and faithful Jewish people of the time, the world had two people, two kinds or or two peoples, the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were everyone that wasn't Jewish, whether they're Roman or Greek or wherever in the world they came from. You were either Jewish or a Gentile. And there was also a third group that were called the God-fearers who were Gentiles who hung out in the synagogue and followed some of the Jewish traditions and they believed in God but didn't uh, convert to Judaism. But uh, for all in, intents and purposes, the world really had two people, Jews inside, Gentiles outside, people outside the faith. 
And we still, I think we often succumb to that temptation of, of binary thinking or wanting to split people into two groups or three groups or whatever, just trying to, wanting to split them into different peoples, dividing us into gay or straight, and the gay people get put on the outside, or dividing us uh, into the non-citizen with the citizen with the non-citizens being on the outside, male and female, often with the female being put on the outside, cool and uncool, the nerds on the outside, the social misfits on the outside, the mentally ill on the outside, the homeless, the poor, the beggars, the sick on the outside. And we do this in our culture and, and even within our churches. You can see that in the history of Christianity, many church splits, even within a congregation or denomination, often caused by this argument over who's in and who's not in. And so Peter and the other disciples, these early followers of the way, I don't, I don't think they had any animosity in them. They weren't trying to be cruel to the Gentiles or anything. It just didn't occur to them. It's been part of their tradition and their religious culture for so long, it just didn't occur to them that it might be any other way. That the, that the message was only uh, for Jewish people. And it's often difficult to know uh, when our thinking is stuck in a box until someone comes along and, and opens it up for us and says, hey, you're kind of limiting your thinking. Try for a bigger vision. Use your imagination. Go for something bigger. Uh, that's what happens to Peter in his vision. He's still thinking old ways. God's doing a new thing, but Peter's still kind of thinking old things, and so the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and nudges him with his vision of food, the sheet coming down, filled with food. And I imagine there's probably a lot of food that he liked and that he could eat, a hummus and lamb, salmon, goat, grasshoppers, leeks, olives, all the things that would have been popular at the time, but that sheet was also filled with stuff that good Jewish people weren't supposed to eat. The unclean food, the impure foods, stuff that we like. So the sheet probably also had pigs and shrimp, squid, lobster, clams, oysters, catfish, rabbit, snails, all forbidden foods. This all comes down in front of Peter and the voice says, Kill and eat. And Peter, being a a good and faithful Jewish man, says, No, nothing unclean has ever passed my lips. I can't do that. And the voice says this three times. Notice the, the... Parallel here, Peter has had uh, a couple other encounters where things happen in threes. After Jesus was arrested and Peter is in the courtyard, he denies Jesus three times. I do not know that man. And then after the resurrection on the Sea of Tiberias, when Jesus appears and feeds them uh, the grilled fish on the side of the sea, Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And each time Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then each time, Jesus follows that up with, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. 
And then here Peter has this vision of all food being clean. And the voice says three times that this is okay. And finally says, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. And then bam, Cornelius, uh, Cornelius's men show up. Cornelius is Roman, he's a Gentile. Cornelius has had a vision to send for Peter. And when Cornelius' men show up, Peter knows that his vision wasn't just about food. This wasn't just his chance to say, oh, thank God I can eat a red lobster now. Or have that bacon cheeseburger. It was about people. Vision was about people. God's people. And that everyone is God's people. And no one is profane. And no one is to be made profane or called profane or thought profane. None are profane. And now imagine a church that fully embraced Peter's vision and that let Jesus' command to love one another be the lens through which uh, that vision is lived out. No one is profane. Love everyone. No people are profane. No people is profane. And no person is profane. Cornelius is a Gentile and Peter realizes, oh, he's included in this as well. The Gentiles are also part of this, of Jesus' mission. And who are the Gentiles of today? It would be anyone that's on the outside. Anyone that we push to the outside. You know, what if Cornelius was the gay man down the street? Or the illegal immigrant, or the Muslim, or homeless, or in prison? Do we consider them profane, or do we include them? Or if Cornelius were asking for equal access to the law or equal access to the church or equal access to the leadership of the church. And what does Peter's vision have to say to us? And we have here in, uh, in Eau Claire, you probably saw in the news, Grace Lutheran in the news again with their struggle and their tension uh, and what has gone on in there. And, and I don't want to condemn anyone or cast a aspersions on anyone. That's a, a, a battle they have on the inside, but it's become a very public battle uh, that we're all following. But I just, I, I wonder, what if, what if they did, uh, as any of us did, what if they did all that they did in love, in loving ways? Which is not to say that there can't be conflict. To pretend there's no conflict is, is dishonest. We can love people and still have conflict, but the way that we deal with it will look very different. How we live in that conflict and live with one another will be very, very different. Yeah, we had a factory collapse in Bangladesh, not really built to code, built without permits. And part of that is that we like having cheap clothing. Where's the love in that? 
that we expect people in other places to live and to work in those kind of conditions so that we can save uh, a few dollars and work in conditions that we would never accept. Yeah, and there are some that warn against bringing in the outsiders because it might redefine whatever it is that we have going on, whether it's uh, in the church or, uh, or that uh, marriage might get redefined or Christianity might get redefined or, you know, if we let women be priests or pastors, that'll redefine the church uh, or whatever. Uh, or the argument of that early church, well, letting Gentiles into this movement is going to redefine who we are. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, the problem isn't with them. The problem is with your definition. It needs to be redefined into something bigger and more expansive. And so what definitions might the Holy Spirit be trying to get us to rewrite by making them more inclusive and more generous, more expansive, less profaning of what is clean and more loving. You know, Peter, after his vision, takes on this new and unnatural and weird thing of including the Gentiles and of loving people on the outside. And he takes some flack for it. He gets in trouble for it. But the people around him eventually come to see his point and to believe, and the message does then go out into the Gentile world and the church explodes in size. That loving message they had was so profoundly needed by the people of the time. What is a Christian? How do we recognize Jesus' followers? They're the ones who know or trust or believe or are at least willing to consider that they are loved by God and who then respond by loving one another. Respond with a commitment to living through love no matter how unnatural or weird or difficult or dangerous it might seem. And that is the call that we have. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.